waiting for someone to convince me that we don't live in a simulation. Simulation, simulation, simulation. What is real? How do you define real? If you're talking about what you can feel, what you can smell, taste, and see, then real is simply electrical signals interpreted by your brain. What if all you ever knew was a lie? Hi, Steve here. There are five things that are critical for you to know, but most people don't understand. Number one, technology is so far beyond what you're being told that it would blow your mind if you really knew what they were doing. Number two, the government does not care about you whatsoever. Get that straight. Number three, the mainstream media news networks and social media platforms block and censor you from receiving the truth on almost everything. Number four, the chemtrails have several purposes, but none of them are for your benefit. And number five, all the most advanced and technical science that evil men are turning into weapons against humanity will all come to an end because God's word is true and it will all be fulfilled. We've moved into a generation of deception and lawlessness, which we will not get out of. The only hope for any of us individually is a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ, his only son. If you still have a brain and a heart, then listen very carefully as the truth is revealed by those who present the facts about what's really happening in this world. I hate religion, and religion will be the cause of many to be lost in this world, but I'm all for a relationship with the living God. And if you would like to have a relationship, not a religion, but a relationship with a living God, I leave a link in the description box below where you'll find a link that will take you to a page and a prayer to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Think about it. Dr. Charles Morgan, former CIA and consultant for the U.S. military on neurological sciences, spoke to cadets at West Point in 2018 about the current state of technology. He briefed the cadets on experiments from 2013 where humans were given neural implants that allowed them to control prosthetic arms with their thoughts. Experiments where one person can control another person's hands by just wearing an EEG cap. The person on the receiving end described the sensation as rather odd. He said, I didn't know anything until I saw my hand beginning to move. But the really fun part was that you're taking over somebody else's physical body with the mind of another human. So what do you think would be the next step? Experiments where information is transmitted from one mind to another and experiments where memories are erased Dr. Morgan admits they have the technology to target an individual person. But you can engineer anything. You can engineer a unique thing that would only kill one person in the world. And are working on the ability to erase the memories of any human they choose. Their biggest challenge five years ago was being able to interface with the hippocampus without the use of physical wires. And this is most likely one of the motivating factors for the deployment of the experimental COVID shots. Using dark field microscopy, Dr. Anna Maria Mihalcia has captured in great detail what the scientific literature describes as effective technologies that exist today. 
technology such as quantum dots. Quantum dots are nanotechnology with the ability to organize, operate, communicate, and build structures within the blood. They do so with a tunable photoluminescence that can be programmed to dictate various tasks via optical communication. The description and images displayed in the scientific literature compared to what Mihelsia's dark field microscopy has captured are the same. You can see the quantum dots blinking in different colors, acting as the artificial intelligence directing the self-assembly around them. Bubbles are created within the blood that act as construction sites. Within these construction bubbles, the quantum dots organize the various materials into self-assembly. These technologies are being found in both the blood of the vaccinated and in the blood of the unvaccinated. Depending on what materials are needed, the quantum dots will trigger them into self-assembly. The COVID vaccines are full of rare and heavy metals to make all manner of nanotechnology. But it seems as if almost everyone is infected with some sort of nanotech. According to several research teams, everyone's blood seems to contain the materials required to produce the filaments and the latticework for this technology. Blood samples that appear to be healthy have been completely transformed by applying a mere 10 milliamps of electric current for two hours. And it looks as if we may have been infected by the chemtrails. Morgellons disease was first reported in 2002. It's when synthetic fibers or filaments are growing in a person's body. It has been theorized for decades that this was being spread via chemtrails. And under a microscope, it appears to be the same filaments that people today are calling blood clots and what the scientific journals call self-assembled hydrogels. According to Dane Wigington from geoengineeringwatch.org, nanoparticles are being sprayed worldwide. The good news is that Dr. Mielcia's research has found a remedy. The iron in the infected blood has been oxidized to a three-plus state. And by taking antioxidants, one is able to dissolve these filament clots. She has found that EDTA chelation therapy will remedy infected blood within three days. And megadosing vitamin C also seems to work. Now... Of course, there's some strange things going on with the weather. The question is why? We've had this so-called heat wave um, all over Europe. I say so-called because who knows who's really in charge of the temperatures and what we're told are the temperatures. And yet in Britain, well, <laughs> it's just been wet and windy. Uh, so why? And this um, article... Uh, in um, a newspaper this week, a British newspaper, the, uh, the Mail, um, is asking the obvious question. Why is the weather so bad in Britain? Experts reveal why rain and cooler temperatures are here to stay for summer. June's heat wave brought with it temperatures in excess of 86 Fahrenheit, 30 centigrade, we can debate that one, and made it the UK's warmest June on record, 
more debate necessary. But as July arrived, so did the rain. Worse still, forecasters now expect the dreary weather to continue for much of August, dashing hopes of a warm end to the summer holidays. That is in stark contrast, it says, to the extreme heat experienced by most of Europe, as back-to-back heat waves ushered in record-breaking temperatures and wildfires, I'll come to both as we go along, across Greek islands of Rhodes and Corfu. So, why has Britain had rain while the continent has sweltered in unbearable heat? The answer, Met Office experts and scientists have said, lies in the arrival of a series of low-pressure systems above the UK, which have been held in place by a blocked weather pattern. Okay, so what's doing the blocking? One of the things that is really important when you're manipulating the population is to keep from them what is possible, what is technologically possible in this case. Because then when people like me come out and say, hey, they're manipulating the weather. Oh, you can't manipulate the weather. Scientists said, but you can. And I'm going to um, put forward just some, just some, of the evidence to support that. They've been manipulating the weather increasingly more with more sophistication for a long time, decades and decades, and now it's in a very advanced um, state. And that's the other thing, just to bring it down to the simplest level. What is weather? It is flows of energy like electromagnetic energy. If you can manipulate those flows of energy, you can manipulate the weather. And just look, we're having low orbit satellites, for instance, pounding the Earth now with technologically generated radiation Wi-Fi. On on that alone, you're going to affect the electromagnetic field, which affects the weather, but it's much more sophisticated than that. So... On Friday, August the 15th, 1952, the tiny village of Lynmouth in Devon suffered what could be described as the worst river flood in English history. Just over nine inches of rain fell, six inches of which fell in a few short hours in the afternoon, early evening. Add in the six inches of rain that had already fallen in the first two weeks of August of that year, then it is no surprise that the top of Exmoor, above Lynmouth, was unable to absorb the rainfall and was totally overwhelmed. It is estimated that 90 million tons of rain fell in North Devon and West Somerset on that day and a wall of water and rubble hit Lynmouth in the late evening with devastating effect. The statistics make incredible reading. 
the Westlin River rose 60 feet above the normal level at the uh, highest point. 34 people, some have a different number, as uh, I've read in different articles, um, in the wider area lost their lives, 28 in the Linmouth area alone. So this is a clip from a newsreel report from 1952 of what happened in Linmouth that day. So how is that devastation relevant to today and the manipulation of the weather for this reason? In 2001, there was a, and 2001, of course, decades after it happened, there was a BBC radio investigation which concluded this. Rain-making link to killer floods. 35 deaths in the infamous Linmouth flood disaster came only days after RAF rain-making experiments over southern England. It has emerged. 1952. BBC investigation has confirmed that secret experiments were causing heavy rainfall. Classified documents on the trials have gone missing. Oh, I'm shocked. Sits back in amazement. But people involved have told their story for the BBC Radio 4's document program. North Devon experienced 250 times the normal August rainfall in 1952. Survivors tell how the air smelled of sulfur, very relevant to what they were doing, uh, on the afternoon of the floods, and the rain fell so hard it hurt people's faces. Survivors called for an investigation into the causes and rumors of planes circling the area prior to the deluge. The Ministry of Defense has denied knowledge of so-called cloud seeding experiments during early August 1952. But the document team have tracked down fresh evidence, including RAF logbooks and personal testimony. Operation Cumulus, as it was called, was jokingly referred to by those involved as Operation Witch Doctor. Weather manipulation has been going on since 1952 and long before, if the truth uh, be told, and it's now very, very advanced, as I'll come to. Hot, cold, wet, dry, tornadoes, hurricanes, all can be created, manipulated, and also natural 
phenomena like naturally occurring hurricanes can be steered by this technology to a desired target. And, oh, no, they can't do that. That's the idea of suppressing to the public what is possible. They have treaties, for goodness sake. Countries have signed treaties committing themselves not to manipulate the weather. Why would they do that? Why would there be treaties if it wasn't possible to manipulate the weather? Now, I've talked a lot about a man in my books over the years called Dr. Richard Day. He was a big Rockefeller family insider, and he made a speech to a meeting of pediatricians in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 1969, in which he said, this is how the world is going to change, basically, because those that he was connected to were going to change it this way. Uh, his accuracy, I cover it in detail in a book called Phantom Self, his accuracy with hindsight has been fantastic, including we're going to make boys and girls the same. And he talked that night about weather manipulation, 1969. And um, this is what he said, as reported by a pediatrician in the audience called Dr. Lawrence Dunnigan. Uh, Day had told the audience not to take notes and turn off recording equipment while he spoke, but he took notes and later talked about it. And this is what Dunnigan said happened that night. There was a mention then of weather. This was another really striking statement. He said, we can or soon will be able to control the weather. He said, I'm not merely referring to dropping iodide crystals into the clouds to precipitate rain that's already there, but real control. And weather was seen as a weapon of war, a weapon of influencing public policy. It could make rain or withhold rain in order to influence certain areas and bring them under your control. There were two sides to this that were rather striking, Dunnigan reported. They said, on the one hand, you can make drought during the growing season so that nothing will grow. And on the other hand, you can make for very heavy rains during the harvest season so the fields are too muddy to bring in the harvest. And indeed, one might be able to do both. There was no statement how this would be done. It was stated that either it was already possible or very, very close to being possible. And that was in 1969. And that's from a book called Everything You Need to Know But Have Never Been Told. Now, can humans control the weather, this article asks. And it features a man who I've featured in my books to a great extent over the years called Nikola Tesla. Tesla was a Serbian-American who emigrated to the United States in 1884. 
He invented the alternating current AC system, and there are over 400 patents in the U.S. Patent Office registered to Nikola Tesla. So what did he say was possible? And indeed showed in his experiments. Tesla wrote of a method whereby weather could be controlled. Remember, he emigrated to the United States in 1884 and died in a New York hotel room in 1943. And he knew what was possible. He wrote of a method whereby weather could be controlled so that deserts could become farmlands and where cold could be modified and heat tempered, or, of course, the reverse of that. Tesla theorized that by using coordinated radio impulses, it should be possible to manipulate the part of the Earth's magnetic field that resides at the edge of space up in the ionosphere, that's the word that's going to keep recurring soon, by generating giant standing waves. These waves, said Tesla, could then be manipulated to change the course of giant wind patterns like the jet stream. It's another phrase that's going to become uh, well used shortly. That shape our weather. Tesla's system involved the use of extremely low frequency ELF, electromagnetic cycles per second. Tesla proved that it is possible to create gigantic electromagnetic uh, waves, sometimes thousands of miles long, which can be used to modify the weather and create man-made droughts, floods, and storms. Tesla's giant standing electromagnetic waves can also create long-lasting high-pressure areas. Hasn't there been a high-pressure area over Europe this summer? I do believe there has. At Tesla's death in 1943, some of his papers went to a museum in Belgrade, but some found their way to the crazies in the United States when representatives of the U.S. government's Office of Alien Property seized many of the Tesla documents. And uh, they were evaluated for the government by an electrical engineer from the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, called John G. Trump, the uncle of the 45th U.S. President, Donald J. Trump. Now, fast forward to the 1990s when patents written by a physicist called Bernard Eastland, very much based on Tesla technology, which he acknowledged, became the HARP operation or the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Program in Alaska driven by the Pentagon and the military in general. So what does it do? 
Well, they're called, and it's not just the one in Alaska, there's others around the world now. They're called um, ionosphere or ionospheric heaters. And they literally heat the ionosphere in the upper atmosphere. And what they do is they fire high-powered radio waves at the ionosphere, and they start the um, ionosphere to vibrate in sympathy, like entrainment, they call it, with the, uh, the radio waves. What this does is increase the power of the radio waves massively and fires them back to Earth to manipulate the weather, weather systems, energy, and also, in their most powerful state, to cause earthquakes. And what can ionosphere heaters do? According to people who've, like Eastland, written patents on them, they can manipulate the jet stream which dictates so much, fundamentally, the weather in Britain and Europe and elsewhere. So this is Bernard Eastland talking in the 1990s about the potential and the possibilities presented by HARP. I chose a what's called a phased array antenna for the patents because it can be aimed. Picture holding your microwave oven in your hands with the door open. Then you can move it around and send those microwaves different directions. And for these applications where I wanted precise control of where the power was, uh, I felt that was the best type of antenna to use. And that is the kind that HARP has built. There were some other ideas, both to possibly modify weather and finally uh, to lift a portion of the upper atmosphere further out into space. It is possible with a big beam to take a part of that upper atmosphere and push it out for it. Eastland talked elsewhere about the potential for HARP to move the jet stream. And so what is the jet stream in relation to the weather in Britain and Europe and elsewhere? The jet stream is a fast-moving strip of air high up in the atmosphere that's responsible for steering weather systems towards the UK and Europe from the Atlantic. In a typical British summer, Temperatures are warmer and drier. The jet stream is to the north, when that happens, of the UK, where it pulls up hot air across the country. However, in the winter, it sits further south and brings wet and windier weather, which we've been having this summer in Britain, because low-pressure areas come closer to the UK. The jet stream sits about 30,000 feet uh, above us, 
and can also change shape going from flat to amplified. And it's the latter that can lead to huge thunderstorms developing very quickly. Right. You see in this graphic from the Mail Online that the jet stream is currently crossing to the south of Britain and not the north as usual in the summer, hence the weather that we've been having here. And here's another image of what the jet stream was doing in the summer of 2012, another unusually wet summer. Move the jet stream and you change the weather. And the technology now available is capable of moving the jet stream. You can't manipulate the weather. You can't, oh my God, do some bloody research. And this whole thing is being driven by the military. And um, there are many documents, military documents, that I've covered in my books that reveal the scale to which the military are not just working on, can fundamentally manipulate the weather. But I'll just give you one example. Owning the weather by 2025 in 1996, a Department of Defense research paper in the uh, United States predicted the U.S. military would be able to modify and weaponize the weather by creating tropical storms, precipitation, changing climate, etc. Weather modification offers the warfighter a wide range of possible options to defeat or coerce the adversary. Now, who's the adversary? Who's the enemy? We are, and our perception is. So we believe the shit they're telling us about human-caused climate change. Current technologies will mature over the next 30 years. Remember, this was written in 1996. And they'll offer anyone who has the necessary resources the ability to modify weather patterns and their corresponding effects. In this paper, we show that appropriate application of weather modification can provide battle space dominance to a degree never before imagined. The technology is there waiting for us to pull it together. In 2025, we can own the weather. They already do. That military document is about owning the weather by 2025. Like I say, they already do. But that's a year that keeps recurring, as does 2030. Now, this is um, a clip from a, uh, a video by Brian Wilson at Red Pill TV. 
The Journal of Nature published a new study that states with 95% confidence that a catastrophic event will take place starting as early as 2025 and affect every human on the planet, disrupting weather patterns and creating climate chaos, including deadly droughts, the melting of the ice caps, and sea level rising. Almost every mainstream corporate news media source has picked up this story and spread the study, sounding the alarm for 2025. But is this just more hyped up environmental hysteria? Or an indication of what will happen in less than two years? The study predicts a, quote, forthcoming collapse of the Atlantic Meridional Overturning Circulation, also known as AMOC, a natural process which circulates water from north to south and back again in a long cycle within the Atlantic Ocean that helps regulate the Earth's climate, as well as carry nutrients to sustain ocean life. Whether or not the AMOC really does collapse, in 2025 may or may not be true. Only time will tell. Perhaps it will just continue to ebb and flow, strengthening and weakening over time as it always has. But the real question is, why 2025? It seems this date has been singled out by scientists, intelligence organizations, and global elites as a time of great destructive and abrupt change which will ultimately destroy the current state of society. In 2020, I produced a three-part series called What Will Happen in 2025, which examined some of these predictions. The first was from Deagle.com, which predicted a massive drop in population and GDP in the US, Canada, and most European countries, while Russia, China, India, and other members of the BRICS alliance maintain their population growth and explode in their GDP. Why did Deagle.com predict this dramatic change for 2025? Since then, they've removed these predictions from their site, certainly at the behest of their partners in NATO, the NSA, and the UN. It is a massive, monumental, global scam on the perceptions of the human population. So, if they were developing a tsunami bomb during the Second World War, what are they capable of now? Fukushima, anybody? They can't do that. You know... What this global cult does, it puts people in positions of power who know about the agenda and are working towards it. They're the few. What it wants to do is put into these positions of power complete freaking morons who will just read whatever they're told, believe whatever they're told, and tell others to believe the same. So we have this. Era of global boiling has arrived, says UN chief, as July set to be hottest month on record. Debate necessary again. This is um, Antonio Guterres, the said moron. The era of global warming has ended and the era of global boiling has arrived, the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres has said after scientists confirmed July was on track to be the world's hottest month on record. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yawn, yawn, yawn. Climate change is here. It's terrifying. This is just the beginning. Guterres said. Calmly. 
It is still possible to limit global temperature rise to 1.5 degrees above pre-industrial levels and avoid the very worst of climate change. But only, only with dramatic, immediate climate action. Here's the moron reading his script. According to the data released today, July has already seen the hottest three-week period ever recorded, the three hottest days on record, and the highest ever ocean temperatures for this time of year. The consequences are clear and they are tragic. Children swept away by monsoon rains, families running from the flames, workers collapsing in scorching heat. For vast parts of North America, Asia, Africa and Europe, it's a cruel summer. For the entire planet, it is a disaster. And for scientists, it is unequivocal. Humans are to blame. All this is entirely consistent with predictions and repeated warnings. The only surprise is the speed of the change. Climate change is here, it is terrifying, and it is just the beginning. Okay. Hmm. The only surprise is the speed of the change. <laughs> now, what's that speed of change? The only surprise. You know, you've had all these scientists on the payroll, this intergovernmental panel on climate change, a UN operation, the UN is absolutely at the center of this global manipulation or as a vehicle for it. They've been saying, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, that's going to happen. Well, the timescale they said it was going to happen in doesn't match the speed of which it is apparently happening. Well, there's an agenda to shut down human freedom with 15-minute cities and the end of cars and so much else that I'll come to. And therefore, they have a timescale. 2030 is a, a big year they keep uh, focusing on. So they have to make it look through lies and technological manipulation that it's happening quicker than we thought. So you get the only surprise is the speed of the change. Well, not to me, who's been paying attention. Worst of climate change can only be avoided with dramatic, immediate climate action. So we come back to what I've just said. What does that mean? 15-minute cities, where people are basically locked in one area. The end of car use, carbon limits on what you can buy, digital currencies, digital concentration camps in general. And classic, said the moron, humans are to blame. It's an anti-human agenda because ultimately it's being driven by a non-human force. Oh, let's laugh. Can, but it's true. And it's all about carbon dioxide, CO2, the gas of life 
without which we would all be dead because there would be no food supply and no, quote, natural world. And if the carbon dioxide, CO2 parts per million in the atmosphere, which plants and the natural world absorb from the atmosphere, falls to anything close to 150 parts per million, we all disappear. It's now 400 and something parts per million, and they want to continually reduce it. Something to keep humans surviving. What is that but an anti-human agenda? So, boiling ocean update. Florida sea temperature record, in quotes, drops 15 degrees Fahrenheit in just 48 hours. Okay, this is how they manipulate you. Last week, the BBC reported, of course, the uh, seawater along the tip of Florida had exceeded hot tub temperatures of 37.8 degrees centigrade, 100 degrees Fahrenheit in recent days, making it potentially the hottest ever measured. The Guardian, of course, was in fine alarmist form, noting that the Florida recording posed a threat to human food supplies. I'll come to that. I mean, the irony of the, the, the climate cult saying, oh, climate change will put an end to human food supplies. Where do you think human food supplies come from? Chaps? Chapesses? Carbon dioxide. It said that it was a threat to human food supplies and the livelihoods of those working in the water. Similar hysteria was to be found across most of the mainstream media. Alas, curiously missing from all this excitable coverage, we're all going to die, was a note that just 48 hours later, the temperature plummeted to around 85 degrees Fahrenheit from 100 degrees. The reading was taken from a boy in Manatee Bay, which is managed by the Everglades National Park and located north of Key Largo. This is how they play with your minds. Examining the record on the climate site, what's up with that? The former ecology lecturer, Jim Steele, observed that water temperatures were being driven by dynamics other than rising CO2. Steele noted that the Manatee Bay boy measuring the water temperature was in a small embayment surrounded by landform. And this forms a natural hot tub. Low winds and a high pressure system further helped heat the bay, while muddy waters darken the water, enhancing solar heating. Steele noted that the science of solar ponds has shown that when fresh water overlaid saltier water, heat gets trapped and temperatures can be as much as 60 degrees Fahrenheit hotter than the surface uh, at depths between 5 and 10 feet. 
So what they're constantly doing is taking phenomena, temperature phenomena, that is caused by natural uh, situations and calling it climate change. And they also make sure that the, where they measure the temperatures are in the warmest places possible, like the record temperature last um, summer in Britain, which um, was measured next to the runway at RAF Coningsby in Lincolnshire, where jets were taking off, um, firing fire out of the back of the engines. Can't see how that will make a difference. Oh, shit. Europe's 48 degree centigrade horror that never was. The European Space Agency and media sharply criticized for manipulating reporting. Last week, it was all over the news. Temperatures in Southern Europe skyrocketing to 48 degrees centigrade, but none of it was true, says this report. The hysteria was started when climate sensationalist media outlets in Germany and elsewhere uncritically cited a sloppily and manipulatively formulated July 13 report from the European Space Agency, ESA, that referred at first to air temperature. Hold that thought. It said, temperatures are sizzling across Europe this week amid an intense and prolonged period of heat and it's only just begun. Italy, Spain, France, Germany, and Poland are all facing major heat waves with air temperatures expected to climb to 48 degrees centigrade on the islands of Sicily and Sardinia, potentially the hottest temperatures ever recorded in Europe. So that was the original ESA report. And only later, after it's gone all over the place, did it specify that it was in fact referring to surface, not air temperatures. Now, what's the significance of that? Surface temperatures um, are not the standard temperatures recorded. They're recorded at two meters above ground level, and they're the ones we get in uh, daily weather reports, which are much cooler and uh, than those that are right on the ground surface. The crucial difference went totally unnoticed by the media and journalists who reported uh, new record high temperatures, which simply were not. But this time, or by the time, the ploy was exposed by careful readers, the news had already gone around the world, as planned. What was that quote from Mark Twain, words to the effect of, um, a lie can go around the world before the truth has got its boots on? It can, with a cult-controlled global media that questions nothing. 
So the European Space Agency didn't bother to mention how the surface temperature is much hotter than the two-meter air temperature. And as one commentator said, what we experienced over past days was the most intense climate lie since temperature recording began. The problem with the report is that none of it is true. And then we have all these uh, forest fires. Most fires in Greece were due to arson or criminal negligence, says conspiracy theorist. No, says government minister of climate crisis. Most of the 667 fires that have erupted across Greece in recent weeks were started by human hand, the country's senior climate crisis official has said. This is a guy called Vasilis Kikilias. He's Greek. Uh, the Greek minister of uh, climate crisis and civil protection he told reporters, during this time, 667 fires erupted. That is more than 60 fires a day, almost all over the country. Unfortunately, the majority were ignited by human hand, either by criminal negligence or intent. And he said that in certain places, blazes had broken out at numerous points in close proximity at the same time suggesting the involvement of arsonists intent on spreading fires further. And what have people said in other countries like Canada um, where these fires have, have taken place? That it's amazing. They seem to have all started at the same time. Why? Because someone started them. Oh, it's global warming. And I had to laugh at this this week. <laughs> You know, these um, we're all going to die predictions. They're done by computer programs, right? Computer predictions. The same predictions that came from computers that told us all the lies about um, COVID coming from Imperial College, people like Neil Ferguson. And Imperial College does a lot of the computer modeling for climate change. I, I just had to laugh at this. It's the uh, Mail Online weatherman who was predicting better weather from around mid-August in Britain. But he says the following. Of course, it's only a computer model, which, as we know from those predictions of heat waves in July, could change within a few days. But at the weather center, we are certainly hoping its predictions are right. And although it's risky, wait for this, and although it's risky to forecast a month or two months ahead, there is hope for a sunny September and even a warm October. Although it's risky to forecast the weather a month or two months ahead. But they are telling us what the weather's going to be like in five years, 10 years, 50 years. It's insane. And um, what it's all about is captured by this headline. Germans should prepare for tough years ahead due to energy transition, green economy minister warns. Germany is facing 
several tough years due to a combination of transitioning to sustainable energy sources and the rising costs of energy, warned Germany's Green Economics Affairs Minister Robert Holbeck. If you create dependency, you create control. And they are creating dependency on those things necessary for humans to survive. What better example than food? And we're seeing the targeting of food production and farming across the world. Look at what they're doing in the Netherlands. 3,000 Dutch farmers being told that if they don't sell their land to the government, then the government will take it anyway. And um, this is a, an example of, of that kind of manipulative way they're doing it. Farmers who follow the advice of natural England and rewild their farms will saddle children with 40% inheritance tax. Farmers who convert farmland into woodlands, wetlands, and scrub face having to pay inheritance tax. The government wants to get 75% of farmers, 75% of farmers currently producing food, engaged in low-carbon practices by 2030, but has overlooked the fact that the children, well, it's not, has it? I've not overlooked it, done it on purpose. Overlook the fact that children of any farmers doing the government's bidding would have to pay 40% inheritance tax on the value of the land, which means they'd probably have to sell it and it would go into the hands of the corporations or the government. Landowners in England are currently exempt from paying inheritance tax on land that is used to grow crops or rear animals under policies designed to ensure farms can be passed down through the generations. They want to stop that. But land that is turned into woodlands, wetlands, or scrub in line with the government's goals to restore nature and help to tackle climate change would currently be subject to inheritance taxes of 40%. That, that's what it's all about. And so we have, oh, another moron. Can I introduce you to uh, Antonio Guterres, Mr. Kerry? John Kerry, this is the climate czar, Anyone could spot a brain cell anywhere near John Kerry. Please, uh, please tell me where it is. John Kerry uh, says U.S. farmers must radically transform food production to meet net zero emissions goals by 2030. We can't get to net zero. We don't get the job done unless agriculture is front and center as part of the solution, said the said Mora. Biden's special presidential envoy for climate, former Senator John Kerry, uh, made a stunning revelation earlier this month when he spoke about the need to transform the way food is produced in order to lower emissions. The new crusade for climate activists is to reduce emissions that are the result of food production. And what do they say? Climate change, it could be a threat to food supplies. That's our job. <laughs> um, and uh, so it goes on. And so all this, the targeting of food, 
has been in my books for decades. All this stuff has been in my books for decades. And now others are starting to see what's happening in more detail. Dr. Patrick Moore is a founder of Greenpeace who left the organization because it was, well, basically lying to the public. He is a vehement opponent of the climate change narrative. And here he highlights how that agenda is targeting the food supply. And they're getting away with doing something now. They're going into agriculture and threatening to cut off the supply of food because food is causing global warming. And, oh, isn't that nice? Only the billionaires will be able to afford to buy food. And all the other people will die And because uh, there's not enough food. That's what we're heading for if we continue to listen to these people. And they are about to perpetrate one of the most evil acts in the history of human civilization, which is to cause poverty and starvation to hundreds of people if they go with this net zero. In order to get net zero, we'd have, first off, we'd have to kill all the animals, including ourselves, because we are an emission of CO2. We are talking about the most important things for the survival of ourselves every day, food and energy. There are no two, there no, nothing else is as important as those two things. Water, right, is part of food. Uh, they haven't decided to cut the water off just yet. But if they go ahead with what they are thinking and planning, they will cause a ruination the likes of which the earth has never seen. Because there are over 8 billion of us, and 4 billion of us depend on nitrogen fertilizer which they now say is bad because it's a greenhouse gas or whatever. It, it, it isn't actually a greenhouse gas, but they've got some story about how nitrogen uh, in the form of nitrous oxide is going to cause the earth to warm up to unacceptable degrees. It's all completely phony. And so is the campaign against CO2, completely phony. There's nothing to it. It's not a real thing. And yet they have made it into a real thing in the West in particular. Russia and China and India are building more coal and nuclear plants. More coal plants. Uh, and yet, Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion and all these other moronic organizations target the West, not Russia, not China, not India. When China is the biggest industrial producer of CO2 in the world, and if you believe what they say, we shouldn't, but if you do, then China should be the target, the prime target, but it's not. And what else? Is that all about food, water, air, energy, human survival? It's an anti-human agenda because behind it is an anti-human, non-human 
force. And it's, um, it's amazing. You can't get these climate cultists to debate with people they know would take them apart. Um, talking of morons, um, we've got a guy called uh, Anthony Blinken in the uh, United States. He's US Secretary of State. Not so bad, say it quick. And he's saying that uh, nuclear war is no worse than uh, climate change. So we have, as I've said in the books and publicly so many times, we have a situation where this world is controlled by psychopaths and run by morons. But some people are awakening and more and more scientists, proper scientists, are awakening and summoning the backbone to uh, speak out. And this is a guy from the, this week, John Clauser. He's a Nobel Prize winning physicist who calls the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change one of the worst sources of dangerous disinformation. And he says about science, we are being totally awash with pseudoscience. He was supposed to speak at the International Monetary Fund, which is a financial arm of the, uh, the United Nations. And after he said that, his speech was canceled. Why? Because they know that this absolute bullshit about human cause, global warming, climate change, will not survive open, free, evidential debate. So they don't have one. You're being had, ladies and gentlemen, on a scale that is almost impossible to imagine. And why? And what are the consequences? You and your children and grandchildren living in a globally, centrally dictated dystopia, the like of which this world has never seen in known human history.